uh, bringing you so much community information, whether your community is around here or all the way around the world. We've got it all and uh, we've got it all in one place. So like I said earlier, uh, if you're if you're listening on a day like today, if you were listening to us last night during the election, if you were listening to us this morning when Tim was on air with you or at any point between you already know how important it is. Uh, you may not have something to give it this time. And if you don't, we thank you so much for listening. But if you do have the ability to help us out and you have not yet, we need to hear from you. Make your contribution now. WJFFradio.org. Coming up at Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. Don't want to wait any longer. Want to get right into that. Just keep in mind at 8 o'clock, uh, I'll be back to uh, introduce you to reintroduce you to Brian Lair hosting a two hour long national call in tonight post election special. America, are we ready? That's still to come, so stay tuned right here, Radio Catskill. Trailer talk right now. America, are we ready? Starting at 8. Welcome to Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people. Whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline Travel Trailer... From the studios or on the streets, please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. I am at the Liberty Firehouse in my town of Liberty, New York. I have already voted. It is election day, and this is an unprecedented election, a historic time for a multitude of reasons. So um, please introduce yourself. My name is Douglas Bowman. So uh, you've just come out. Yes, of the firehouse and you've just voted there are three of you here in the car could you share with me your thoughts what's most important yes, for yes. you about all this right. election first of all i actually voted on saturday in monticello at the government center i just brought friends up to vote and i'm going to go pick up a few more people and keep voting now what's important to me about this election is that i realize that number one people have to know that god is in charge and everything he has done, he done in sevens. He created the earth in seven days. There was plagues that last seven years. And this plague, who sits in office as our president, he must go. He has no love for anyone but the Trump family. And he may not even love them. They may be used as sacrificial lambs. If we want to turn the world around, we have to teach Preach and live love the way God loved us. That is all I have to say. I, I ain't burn no more rags on that man. I just don't believe he's for the people. I believe he's all about himself. But I believe if we trust and believe in God, everything will be all right. And can you share with me what your hope is for your community here in Sullivan County? For Sullivan County community, honestly, I, I, I would like to see, see, see change as far as people coming together in unity and, 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 and living the way God intended for us to live, by showing love to one another, helping one another. We have people in Sullivan County that are hungry, that are homeless, that are going without food. And I believe the people of Sullivan County can change that if we come together and put the politics aside. All right, I'm walking around to the back of the car now. Hi. My name is Richard Allison. Vote for another president. What are your concerns? What do you want to see change? I want to see everything change that's supposed to change. You know, I want to see people doing the right thing. I want this epidemic over where we don't have to keep wearing these masks and stuff. Yeah. And new president. That's all. All right. Have a nice day. Carlson Williams. Hi, Carlson. What's your name? Paula Williams. Hi, Paula. So you've just voted. You're just leaving the firehouse. So how are you feeling about this election? I'm, I'm glad that this day has come. You know, I've been thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And now it's, you know, now, now it's over. We voted. Um, I think the thing that was one of the things that's on my mind, I can't speak for Paula, is the uh, pandemic. You know, that's been a, that's been a, a big thing. And, uh, and the economy. It's been a big thing that's been on my mind also. And maybe I can speak for both of us, I don't know, because we've had discussions at home about it and discussions with our, we have older kids, so we've had discussion with our kids also. 
And I think what I'd like to see for the town of Liberty is I'd like to see uh, some more businesses in town and some more uh, programs for kids. I think there needs to be some more things for uh, for for you know young kids and teenagers. Probably the teenagers a little more for them to uh, to do other than uh, the school sports. Maybe some things. And do you want to see things change as far as the current administration, uh, or do you want to see them stay the same? Um, I think I'd like to see uh, things change. You know, change. I, I believe with uh, change comes growth, so I'd like to see some some change. Jerry Dorfman. Hi, Jerry. Harriet Dorfman. Hi, Harriet. I'm Sabrina. We're in front of the firehouse, and you're about to go vote on this election day. And as we know, this is an unprecedented time for numerous reasons. So I'm just wondering if you can share with me what your thoughts are. This day has has come. I've been waiting four years for this. The thought of Trump being president for four years was bad enough. The thought of four years more of him is even worse. What are your concerns? What do you want to see change? I just want to see the person change. I think he is a disgusting excuse for a human being. Do you have any key issues, though, that you want to share with us about how upset you clearly have been these last four years. And we're in a time unprecedented for so many reasons. So I'm just wondering if you can share with our listeners a little bit about yourself. And we feel terrible about his treatment of children coming in from Mexico. It was disgusting. The children were taken away from their families and some of them are still missing their families. Um, the economics of big business versus small town is horrendous, especially for up here. Um, how anybody can support him is beyond me. He has caused divisiveness in this country, the likes of which I don't think we've seen since our history books in the Civil War. Um, I've been feeling personally anxious uh, I worry about the rioting. I worry about the looting. Uh, I worry about both sides, you know, whether it's Republican or Democrat. I don't know who's going to go first. Um, but the fact that there is so much divisiveness and there is no peace in this country right now, and it's really very sad. It's separated families. It has separated friendships. And it's it's just awful. And, and it, it has to do with his demeanor, the way he speaks in public, the way he gets people rousted up. He is, you know, honestly, I had business dealings with him in the city years ago. He's just not a nice person. He's, he's disgusting. And how he got elected is just beyond me. And what do you want to bring to your community here in Sullivan County, New York, and, and to the country at large and beyond? What, what, what do you envision? Well, we're obviously a bit older. We hope for a better life for our children. Um, we see that Sullivan County is coming back. We feel that there's a renaissance here. We're relatively new. We're here, you know, shy of five years. Um, we came up here from Long Island, not from New York City, but from Long Island, from a rural part of Long Island, a very small town on Long Island, not dissimilar to Liberty. Um, we would like to see the hamlet of Parksville, come back. Um, and we are very active in, in the hamlet of Parksville. We um, have taken a very strong interest. We've met with our supervisor DeMeo. We have met with the sheriff. We have met with Megan Galligan. Um, we have very strong feelings about how this community can come back and just seeing it prosper. I would just say that, you know, the Trump supporters seem to think he's done so much for labor uh, by uh, uh, getting us into a better position with the foreign trade. But in fact, uh, number one, he has alienated all of our allies. Uh, and, and more importantly, if he is playing around with tariffs, who do you think is going to pay those? It's going to be us that pay the tariffs because the goods are going to come in. They'll be more expensive. The reason jobs go overseas is because the person can't afford that very expensive television, but they want it anyway so that if they can get it from China and then it's cost a lot less, they're willing to do that even if that costs American jobs. So the consumers are the cause of the problem, 
and and it's not going to change because the very same people that want him to stand up to to the foreign governments and the tariffs uh they're the same people that want that inexpensive television that they couldn't otherwise afford so thank you so much jerry dorfman harriet dorfman Ah, uh, walter chisholm hi walter i'm sabrina you're about to go in to vote and can you share with me what this election day represents for you? Democracy, period. Everything's on the table. Everything. I, you can go from uh, health care. You can go through uh, supporting black folks, myself. Uh, mainly democracy. Mainly, I would say mostly uh, and I'm an independent, but the mockery that I feel personally that the Republican Party has made versus the people. That's pretty much all I got to say. How long have you lived here in Liberty? Well, I just moved here uh, months ago. I'm a long, uh, long, I was born here in Sullivan County, though. So you're from Sullivan County. You said everything's on the table with this election. Yeah. How do you envision the world? What do you want to see if, if your vote, right, if, if these votes change the current administration? What do you want to see? Is where we start from there. Let's just get back on track and then, let's, then we can take it from there. The main, main thing is just let's just get back on track because we're so far off track, it's ridiculous. It's, it's actually an embarrassment, you know. Um, I don't think you need to say more than that. I mean, that, that says it all. Uh, it's, it's just a simple embarrassment, you know. Uh, you got to, I think about uh, people that, that serve us overseas, uh, how they're being viewed. I mean, it's, it's a mockery. It's, it's ridiculous. And, and to me, for poor people to vote against their own best interests, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, there's no other way to put it but it's ridiculous. That makes you look stupid, in a nutshell. Thank you, Walter. Uh, Jeff Conkey. Hi, Jeff. I'm Sabrina. You're about to go in to vote in Liberty, New York. What are your thoughts? I believe uh, Trump is going to win again, uh, make it four more years. And why do you support Trump? Because he's doing everything that he's supposed to do. He's not a politician. He's a businessman. And he tells it like it is. And that's all there is to it. Anything specific you want to share with us? Nope, just go Trump. All right, thank you. No problem. I'm Barbara Kelly. Hi, Barbara. I'm Sabrina. And Bob Carl. Hi, Bob. So you've just voted. Yes, you've come out did. of the firehouse in Liberty. What are your thoughts about this election? It's unprecedented in many ways, historic. Yes, so what it do you is. It, it's uh, an anxiety-producing time for many, and... Uh, we can just hope that the best outcome is reached. And what do you think the best outcome is? Well, I would think that Joe Biden was elected. So, Joe Biden. So tell me your concerns. What, what have the issues been under the current administration? And what are your feelings about this time? Well, before even the coronavirus started, the current president didn't, often didn't tell us the truth. Um, but he has not handled this situation well, and um, he has incited hate and division uh, to such a degree that um, the countries of Australia and uh, New Zealand have advised their citizens not to come here because of the potential for civil unrest. And th to me, that this is unprecedented, you know. I grew up in the 60s, and... I thought we had resolved a lot of these issues, and apparently they're ongoing. So I'm hoping for a kinder, gentler, you know, country that works for, you know, for the general welfare. For, what is it? Promote the general welfare. It's in the Constitution. And that's what I hope for. Are you from Sullivan County? Not originally. I've been here since 75. So a while. So a while. Yes. What do you want to see happen in your community? Um, well, one of the issues in our community, and the, the, the pandemic has accentuated this, 
is the need for rural broadband, which our congressman and state senator, Metzger and, and Delgado, have been working on. Um, since kids have to work online to do their schooling, uh, it's important that, you know, they all be able to reach, you know, on the Internet. So that, that to me, uh, is an important issue. Definitely. Thank you. And you? I agree with everything she said. <laughs> and, uh, you know, our country has been under assault. We've had our Justice Department attacked and our FBI attacked and our scientists have been attacked. And I'm hoping that today will be the first day that puts it, you know, starts to put an end to all that stuff. We have to get back to civility and uh, treating people with respect. Has it been shocking to you at all what has happened over the last four years? How would you describe that? We've accepted behavior from our president that we would not accept from any other president. Uh, we wouldn't accept it for somebody that was in our town government. We wouldn't expect it. We wouldn't accept it from people working in our community. And it's just it's just mind boggling that we've we've come to this point. Where are you from? Liberty. So Liberty, New York. What are your hopes? for your community in the Catskills? Well, I'd like to see Liberty have a real economic resurgence and improvement, you know, the, the infrastructure and, uh, and the whole town. How do you engage with conversations in your community with people who feel differently than what you're sharing with me, for both of you? I try to do it respectfully and to deal with facts. That's, that's another problem we've had with our president is he doesn't deal with facts. You know, you're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. And what does it mean to both of you to be here on Election Day? We've had early voting, which we have not seen before over a, a number of days. And you've chosen to be here today on Election Day. I guess I would just chalk it up to tradition. We have always come. We always vote. And we come here. There's never been a problem. Obviously, there's no long lines like you've seen other places. Um, so this worked for us. Yes, old school voting. Old school voting. Thank you. Thank you both so much for speaking with me. Barbara and Bob, thank you both so much. About to go inside to vote. Yeah, my name is Abdelaziz Benadim. It's very nice to meet you. So could you share with me your thoughts about this election and your concerns? I've been always independent, but this time I made my decision who I'm going to vote for. And this is very, very sensitive time for our whole country. So therefore, I, I made my mind who I'm going to vote for. Can you share with us who that is and why? Uh, definitely 100% I'm going to go for Biden. And in the beginning, 
in the beginning, I was going to support uh, Trump, and then there are certain things that I did my research, and I definitely, uh, definitely, especially with Corona, I go with science, proof, and evidence. So he was against it, and there are some other issues with immigration and what have you. You know, immigration. He doesn't like Muslims. I'm Muslim, and he want to close the border. So I, I, you know, I'm minority. I like people from other countries. They come. They have opportunities also in this country. And he want to stop uh, the people who they have birth in the country to get citizen. He want to stop it. So I have my children. They born here, and there is there is more than that. And then also he messed up with a lot with with small businesses. So I have a small business also. So there are many reasons why you're supporting yeah. Biden. What brought you to Sullivan County, New York, to Liberty? I used to work for the government, so I retired, and therefore I. I, I was living here, so I defer, therefore I stayed here, you know. I don't want to go to no, nowhere else. I like Sullivan County. And what is your what is your hope for your community here in Sullivan County? Well, as a Muslim, the Muslim community, definitely most of them, they are supporting Biden, you know. Because we talk about it from time to time, and everybody has different opinion. But in the end, in the end, a lot of them, they swing right to Biden. In the beginning, they were like, studying left or right and and they were like very confused about the decision but specifically today and yesterday most of them they swing to Biden and what what was that deciding factor uh, in the last number of days there are so many factors <laughs> you know basically Biden he has clear exact agenda exactly he know what he want to do for the country where where Trump is still confused and 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 like with certain movements he didn't make clear decision you know what I'm saying like for example KKK and some other organization where he's supposed to be uh, the president for America not the president for a certain group of people or certain colors and what have you or me when I come to this country I didn't come for Republican or Democrat I come for the country so therefore when i make a decision i make a decision for the country what's the best for the country so therefore i'm voting for what's the best for the country is joe biden and joe biden for everybody and what country are you referring to that you came from to be here in sullivan county new I come, york I come, I come from morocco north africa and north africa by the way morocco is the first country to recognize the independence of america 1775 where Morocco, the first country to recognize American independence. So therefore, we are always in Morocco. We'll be in always with America's side. And we always, independent people, we make our decision based on what's the, the best interest for the country. And therefore, Joe Biden, 100%, take my vote. Thank you so much. Welcome very much and have a good day. Take care. Abdelaziz Benadim. Thank you. I'm Sabrina. Please introduce yourself. Uh, Charles Mack. Hi, Charles. So you've just voted. Yes, ma'am. What are your thoughts about this election, uh, this time in our country? What I, can't what I can't understand is why would you want to vote away your freedoms? Why would you want a, a socialist manifesto? I don't understand that. What you, are you referring to? Well, usually socialism comes through usually some kind of revolt. People usually don't vote vote their rights away. Well, I, I'm not sure what you're referring to. Could you be specific? Well, okay. Um, the Bolshevik Revolution. Um, uh, what's going on in Venezuela. What's going on in North Korea. Bolivia. A few other countries where, they, where people have no rights. But Why would you want to vote that away? Okay. I'm just... Could you be specific? Do you want to talk about a candidate that you voted for? I mean, I'm, I'm explaining it to you. What, 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 why, why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling? Why I gotta have to tell you my a, a candidate? I mean, it, it's it's simple. Who I voted for? If I'm I'm talking about voting away your rights, why would you want a a, a socialist manifesto? Uh, Bernie Sanders, AOC. Why would you want that? Why would you want to give up your freedoms? Why you want to give up uh, uh, your first and second amendments? Why would you want to do that? Now you know what I'm talking about. You're welcome to share whatever you want with okay. me. All right. All right. Thank you. Yep. Please introduce yourselves. Mike Tallarico. Hi, Mike. Shelby Tallarico. Hello. Very nice to meet both of you. So 
I'm just, you've just voted. I'm wondering if you want to share any thoughts about this election, about the uh, presidential. Um, I was raised in a country that has a parliament, not this information of alphabets. It's very confusing to me. I thought. What had, country? Uh, I'd rather not say, but I'm Canadian. I was raised in Canada. We have parliament. We have a queen. You people in, the, in wonderful America, you have so many people I don't know how to choose. Because only certain people are covered on the news. When I went to the ballot and I saw all these people, I had no idea what I was doing. Well, what about the presidential candidates? Uh, Do you have any thoughts on that? The quite confusing. Um, you hear so much. It's just... I just want to say I fully support our President Donald Trump. And... Uh, should he get reelected, I support him again. I just feel like the news has given him a bad rap and that uh, the press didn't cover enough of the bad things that the other um, other uh, candidates. candidates, thank you, <laughs> candidates. Um, I, I just feared that the, feel that the news was reporting uh, unequal amounts of information, good and bad, as far as both candidates go. I feel that they were slamming President Trump a lot more than what was actually, you know, all the negative press that they were given as far as that goes. Okay. Thank you, Mike. Have a good day. You Thank too. you both. Hi, I'm Valerie Machalski, and I would like a president that doesn't keep the world separated that will keep peace for America and things like that, to keep our families together where we could grow and succeed in life and be healthy, happy, and wise. I would like Joe Biden to be our president because I want a place that's uh, not separated that people in America can share their health, happiness, and wealth together as one, and we could be united and live a better life. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Mildred Day. Um, I'm here to exercise my right as an American, such as everybody should have that opportunity, whether they're uh, national origin from America or from another country. I feel that. Um, the president that we have now, and people do know who he is, have divided us in such a horrific way that it, I, words cannot begin to describe. And um, I think it's not right. Emotionally, people are scarred, mentally, even physically, and even death with their lives. For no reason, for not even breaking the law, they have been killed. Okay, he does uh, make that situation a little bit, he escalates that with his rhetoric talk, he gets his face all wild, you know, wild up and rhymed up. I, and just by me talking about it, it's getting me a little bit uh, upset by talking about it. But basically, I did vote for Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris, and hopefully things will get better for the future for everybody. Thank you. You're very welcome. Mildred Day. Thank you so much. I'm Sabrina. I'm in Liberty, New York, in the Sullivan County Catskills. It is Election Day, November 3rd, 2020. From the kitchen table, out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artell. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artell's Trailer Talk. The music for the show, Patti Smith, People Have the Power. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artell. For more information, please visit trailertalk.net. Special thanks to WJFF Radio Catskill, and the numerous people who have donated their time, resources, and conversations to make Trailer Talk possible. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm Sabrina Artel. Safe travels. This station has not reached its goal yet, but decided that the news is too pressing to continue fundraising as planned. That's why you're hearing news without interruption. If you can, please donate. Here's how. Go to WJFFRadio.org. Make sure Radio Catskill has your constant support. Your contribution enables us to keep you connected. Whatever you can do, please do it now. Go to WJFFRadio.org. Thanks.
Welcome to Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people. Whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline Travel Trailer, from the studios or on the streets, please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. This is Sabrina, and I am here with Malika Dutt. We are here in Sullivan County. We are here in the town of Bethel in Smallwood, New York, and I have the pleasure of inviting Malika to my virtual and imagined trailer. We'll act as if, and I invite you all to join us around the kitchen table of the Beeline Travel Trailer as we have this conversation. Malika, please introduce yourself. Hi, Sabrina. It's uh, so wonderful to be up here in this gorgeous land and the Catskills with you and the fall colors around us as the leaves change. We've known each other for a while. Um, and, you know, I, I am curious about how to introduce myself these days because I've been through some pretty major transitions. Perhaps the best way to describe uh, who I am and what I'm doing in the world right now is to say that I want to promote interconnectedness. I want to look for ways in which we can find connection to ourselves, to one another, and to our planet, to this earth, to all of the beings that are our relations on this, on this planet. So my initiative that I now run is called Interconnectedness, Shared Well-Being for People and Planet, I approach the work through a multiplicity of avenues, through ritual, through ceremony, through designing programs for organizations, facilitating conversations for groups. I coach folks. I also practice energy medicine. So I kind of explore all of my gifts and my talents and my skills in the service of interconnectedness. So Malika, if you can share with us as you have acknowledged this transition and what you're doing at present. But if you can take us back a little bit in time, because I'm very interested how you went from what you had been doing with founding and leading and guiding breakthrough, an organization that was focused on uh, addressing violence that is happening against women and girls, and then also addressing men and boys, your Ring the Bell initiative, etc. So if you can guide us a bit from where you've come from, and then to this transition and what you're doing now, because it was a big change and a big choice that you made. In some ways, I feel like my human rights journey of the last three decades really prepared me to step into and understand the paradigm of interconnectedness. I began my work around human rights issues you know, while I was in college, then while I was in law school, grad school, worked on a range of issues from trafficking in women to U.S. engagement in Latin America, South America, uh, anti-CIA organizing, I mean, just a whole spectrum of things, including divestment from South Africa. And then when I finished law school, I started an organization called Saki for South Asian Women that worked with battered South Asian women, immigrant communities in New York City. And I was doing that while I was working at a fancy-dancy law firm. That then led me into work in philanthropy. I worked at the Ford Foundation in India, I was with the Center for Women's Global Leadership during the times when we were really organizing at a global public policy level to get women's rights recognized as human rights. There were all of these gigantic UN World Conferences that really enabled the women's movement from every corner of the earth to come together to really demand recognition of basically the essential humanity of women. And then in 2000, I um, started an organization called Breakthrough. And Breakthrough's mission was to really change culture to respect human rights, to shift the norms that led to violence and discrimination, to create new norms, new values, new ways of being. And I created the organization in India and the United States. We began working on gender-based violence and violence against women in India. And right about then, 
the Twin Towers fell in the United States and we found ourselves in the midst of this enormous backlash against immigrant communities. And so the work in the United States began to focus on racial justice and immigrant rights, the work in India on violence against women and girls. We used a lot of media and storytelling and different cultural tools. We had Ogilvy and other advertising agencies come on board as partners. And so we created these campaigns. And in the course of doing the work, I really began to realize that particularly around the issue of gender-based violence, we needed men to be a part of the equation. We needed men not just to be seen as perpetrators, but also to be uh, co-conspirators in creating this new world that we desired because it wasn't really possible to do that without them. So the Ring the Bell campaign that ensued called on men and boys to take a stand against domestic violence and ended up just having this enormous impact. We reached millions of people. It became a global campaign. It got adapted from Indian languages into Vietnam and South Africa and different parts of the world. And I was really on one of those, you know, uh, trajectories of being recognized as a public human rights activist, recognized with many awards, the Skoll Award, you know, opening the Clinton Global Initiative, the World Economic Forum, really pushing for human rights to become a part of those conversations. And then what happened was that my husband and I got divorced 10 years ago. There was something about that rupture between us, that falling apart between us when uh, that marriage ended, that was really devastating for me. He became involved with our housekeeper, the woman who used to work in our home, and then they ended up getting married. And it was a very difficult time at multiple levels. During that time, a dear friend took me to meet with a shaman. This was a whole new world for me, the world of energy medicine that came out of Latin America. He was a Peruvian man. And then I met another shaman who was a Mexican man um, whose name was Rafael and who used music as his medicine to heal. I found myself exploring pathways of relating to the earth and to people that were new for me, that were different from the worlds of law and policy and organizing. Even though I had created a whole new field around culture change and norm change and using media arts and tech to create different stories and narratives, it was still in the old framework of division and separation. The human rights framework and paradigm is a paradigm that responds to the paradigm of hierarchies and separation that have gotten us into the mess that we are now. I was in the Amazon on an ayahuasca journey with these um, amazingly powerful shamans from the region, Shipibo women, and men, when the plant medicine and the jungle really showed me that the way in which I did my work perpetuated the same divisions that I was trying to change. The medicine world uses a lot of symbology to teach you and show you really your internal world as well as whatever lessons that the medicine wants you to leave with. Malika, can I ask you, how would you describe this ayahuasca journey and this journey into the jungle for those who aren't familiar with what this even means, like what this is, as you continue in our conversation to talk about this symbology and this first experience of yours with it? Ayahuasca is uh, regarded as a teacher plant, a master teacher plant. The plant is a beautiful, thin little vine that grows in the Amazon. And when it is combined with some other plants, particularly another plant called Chakruna, the alchemy of the two create a tea that you drink that then allows you to go on an inner journey. It opens up 
uh, parts of your brain and parts of your comprehension of the world around you that enable you to see, hear, experience differently. The lineage of the shamans that have worked with this plant medicine goes back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And so there's a very sacred relationship to this plant where you do dietas and where you eat it in sacred ways to really learn its properties before you can actually start holding space for people. So I had started to study energy medicine with the four winds and as one of the experiences that I was then able to access, I went to the Amazon with one of my teachers and it was life-changing. I mean, really, there's no other way for me to describe that experience. I was in the jungle for a week, and as the lessons and the insights unfolded, seeing how I perpetuated the same hierarchies and divisions through my work around us versus them paradigms, if it was in the context of violence against women, really constructing it in men versus women, Having an analysis of patriarchy for sure, but still being in a very us versus them context. And the medicine really sh was just this incredible experience of being in deep connection, not only with the jungle and with everything that I was experiencing, but being in deep connection with all humans, with all peoples, with all beings, with the planet and all of its species and inhabitants as this living, breathing, throbbing microcosm, macrocosm. And when I came back from the jungle, I knew that my path was going to shift from breakthrough and what I had been doing to something else. I had no idea what, but I knew that something was going to change. How do you reconcile this experience and understanding of a reality where there is not a hierarchy and a separation with work, as you're describing, that requires it? How, how does one move forward with that kind of understanding? Because you are engaged with culture shifts and tackling justice issues, but somehow now through this other lens and with this new initiative that you're working on. The reason that I use the word interconnectedness is because it's really about learning to hold it all as opposed to collapsing into one or the other. So even as I lived in the world of discrimination and violence and separation and hierarchy, what simultaneously existed that I had no access to was connection, was love, was compassion, was the ways in which we were all intertwined with one another. For me, interconnectedness isn't about just being in some kind of a kumbaya place all the time. It's actually about learning how to hold polarity and hold complexity. In some ways, the movements around the recognition of multiple gender identities shows us some of those pathways because in insisting that we get beyond binaries, it actually allows us to be present with a much wider expression of who we are. One of my teachers has constantly said, we need to learn how to play all 88 keys. And what happens to us, especially when we're kids, is that whatever the circumstances are that we face, uh, and they may be traumatic or they may not be traumatic, but we learn certain survival mechanisms, right? Like we learn how to be really skillful at being aggressive or being compliant. Or, you know, if you think about fight flight responses, we learn how to either get into an advocacy place with somebody or a freeze place or we check out or we try and appease people. And Unlike animals, those kinds of responses get stuck in our nervous systems. And then that starts informing how we become present in our work, in our relationships, in our communities, and with the earth. So I think the biggest shift for me is to just have a deeper sense of compassion for myself and for everybody around me. To first start with gathering up all the parts of myself that I had separated from. Because when you are in 
in that world of so much violence and discrimination, you're hearing thousands and thousands and thousands of stories of women who have been brutalized, murdered, beaten in so many different ways. You know, your body is actually receiving all of that trauma and we don't learn how to allow it to move through or allow it to ground. And so then that's the armoring then starts within our body. So then we're like walking around getting more and more disassociated with ourselves or more and more angry or more and more full of grief, but without really being aware of how all of that is influencing ourselves and our work. So I think for me, the shift has been to move to a place of greater self-awareness, to hold more complexity and to have a little bit more love and compassion and kind of how I relate to everything around me. Malika, how... Do you work with organizations and people now through your interconnectedness project, through this initiative? And how does that relate to where we are right now? We're sitting in upstate New York, in the United States, the election approaches. I'm just wondering, as you say, you're working towards this embracing of complexity but how this is connecting for you now with your work? I'll actually start with a more personal example and then give you some examples from work. So I live in Manhattan and um, the superintendent of my building is a staunch Republican and a staunch supporter of the current president. He has, I don't know how many guns. Um, and, you know, the things that he stands for and the values that he espouses are very different from mine. He is also one of the kindest people that I know. He takes incredible care of me. In the building, he is there for, he is there for tenants, for the elderly, for folks with kids, for, you know, all of us. And when we went through the early months of the pandemic, he and all of the people who work for us in the building just took such exquisite, loving care of all of us that I am just incredibly grateful for him and for, you know, everything that he does for me and for the building. I could look at him as a Republican and as a supporter of white supremacy, bigotry, anti-feminist, uh, hateful, right? Like I could have a whole narrative around him from a political lens, which would completely ignore all the other dimensions of him that I experienced living in the building and being taken care of by this. He's a giant, large man. Um, so... I know that my own transitions and shifts within myself allow me to be in relationship with him from a place of, I don't know, more humanity. We argue. We argue about the political stuff. It's not like we just avoid it. We have all kinds of arguments. And, um, you know, we've kind of come to a, a, a place of detente on our Facebook relationship where neither one of us comments on each other's Facebook pages because, you know, that would start a whole other uh, series of uh, very combative conversations, perhaps. So, you know, that's just like a lived experience for me of how we learn to make distinctions between the humanity of people and certain beliefs or certain orientations or certain values rather than just completely separating ourselves out or canceling each other out completely just because we are along an ideological spectrum because there's so many other ways in which we may connect. And that really connects for me living in Sullivan County, New York, where we have so many different kinds of people with different kinds of beliefs. But the bottom line is that that we are here for each other in emergencies, for fundraisers, it's a volunteer ambulance corps, fire department. So there is still an, a connectedness that we depend on, even with different beliefs. You mentioned the pandemic. So I, I wanted to 
ask with the traditions that you study and now with your own work with teaching and being a guide, how would you frame this for us? What does the pandemic for you, is it representing something? Has it shifted something for you during these eight or more months? For me, the pandemic is a very loving and strict warning from the earth. The virus comes to us as a teacher to show us how the current ways in which we live on this planet are unsustainable and untenable, that the uh, economic structures that we've created, the social structures we've created, the environmental structures that we've created are deeply harmful for not only the majority of the species that inhabit this planet, but us as a species as well. It's caused an enormous amount of pain for a lot of people. It's also lifted the veils off of the deep inequalities that exist in our society. You know, again, living in Manhattan, I often talk about this period as I've really learned to live between rupture and rapture, between sirens and birdsong. The first couple of months of the pandemic in the city were really, really scary. There were people going to hospital in very large numbers, people who were dying. There were morgues, makeshift morgues outside hospitals because there was nowhere to take the dead bodies. Uh, the front lines were besieged. I mean, we really, it was a very challenging time. And I, I think I heard sirens all day long. And then in the pauses between the sirens, I heard birdsong. And I have a terrace, and there were birds that in the 30 years that I had lived in New York City that I had never actually been able to hear because A, the cacophony in the city is so loud and B, because the air was so polluted or like all of the ways in which we went about our business were so alienating. And so I feel like um, the lesson of the pandemic is a moment for us to take a pause, slow down, and shift into what I hope is going to be the greatest awakening of humankind, at least in my lifetime, and an awakening into the interconnectedness of all things, and then therefore some deep reflection and some deep shift around how we treat each other and how we live on this planet together. Thank you so much, Malika, for sharing these things, for guiding me last night on Halloween, on the night of souling, for a Sawen ceremony that honored and remembered our ancestors. I want to thank you for that. If you could just share with us how you would describe what that time, what that night represents in terms of an opening or a possibility. Well, the ritual that we did last night actually draws from uh, very ancient Celtic traditions. And so it's been my honor to learn about uh, traditions, particularly shamanic traditions from north, south, east, and west. The veils between the worlds are very thin um, at this time of the year. And so this night last night was really about creating a table of offering for our ancestors, and it was really beautiful. We each, we each created a plate of food, a glass of wine, and flowers for each of our lineages, and then we created a plate and a glass for the spirits of the land, and we laid this table, and we invoked the fairy king and queen to open uh, the portals to allow us to be in a place of relationship with our ancestors, honoring them because none of us would be here if it wasn't for all of the hundreds and hundreds of people that came together at different points in time to create these beings, you and me sitting mm -hmm. at, at this moment in these chairs across from each other. We also have so many different ancestors, right? We have so many beloveds, so many friends, animal friends, human friends who have walked with us at different points in our lives. Our ancestors are also our past selves, our past relationships. I know that when I was pulling together 
the photographs that I wanted to be looking at and, and honoring. It was my ex-husband, past relationships, my childhood self. I have a very ruptured relationship with my brother. So, you know, looking at a past self where we were close, my dogs that I had um, who were companions along the way, and then, of course, grandparents and others who have transitioned. For me, it's really important to take these moments to open those portals, say thank you, give gratitude, recognize those who may still not have healed, who may still be in pain, recognize those who may have caused enormous harm to others, either at a familial level or even at a much larger societal level, recognize those who are healed or who have gone on and done amazing things in the world. And then we told our own stories. We shared incredibly beautiful stories of ancestors, especially women who have been left out of the stories that are told and retold and passed on. For me, it was a way in which we wove that together and then we went to the fire and invoked wishes for the world. We asked the fire to dissolve the harmful practices that we engage in this eve of this election and we really invoked blessings for the world and then we ended up under this beautiful tree amidst these stones under that gorgeous blue moon and we witnessed one another and all of our magic and all of our witchery and all of our uh, specialness and our deepest desires and we danced and we sang and that's what the ritual meant for me. Malka, is there anything else you'd like to share with us about your work, about a message for us? I would like to say that the first most important step towards shifting into a different paradigm is to learn to love yourself. I know that sounds really hokey, but we live with so much trauma and so much disassociation within ourselves. And then everything in society tells us we're not good enough or we're too fat or we're too this or we're too dumb or we're not rich enough. or You know, like there's just a constant barrage of not enough, not enough, not enough. And... If we can get to a place of holding all of ourselves on many, many, many parts and really feeling into our enoughness, I think it would fundamentally shift how we showed up on this planet for each other, for other species, how we think about the systems we want to create, the processes, the education system, the economics. I think everything would change if we learned to move from the hierarchies that divide us from ourselves to becoming more whole, standing in a place of wholeness and standing in a place of connection. Thank you, Malika. I want to thank you for having this conversation. Thank you so much. It's delightful to be in this trailer with you around the table, the kitchen table. Thank you so much. I've been speaking with Malika Dutt. From the kitchen table, out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artell. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artell's Trailer Talk. The music for the show, Patti Smith, People Have the Power. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artell. For more information, please visit trailertalk.net. Special thanks to WJFF Radio Catskill and the numerous people who have donated their time, resources, and conversations to make Trailer Talk possible. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm Sabrina Artell. Safe travels. Support comes from the Women's Health Center in Honesdale, Hamlin, Waymart, Carbondale, and Lords Valley in Pennsylvania. Physicians and certified midwives who deliver. The Women's Health Center is a Wayne Memorial Community Health Center. WMH.org. Support for WJFF Radio Catskill comes from the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York. RiverReporter.com and from listener donations at WJFFRadio.org. WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello, your community radio station. Support comes from 
the law office of John Ferrara in Monticello, providing legal services in the areas of matrimonial and family law and criminal defense. John.Ferrara557 at gmail.com. WJFF has been talking to people on the air about so many important things. You may have missed what they're saying about us. You have done a great public service here, having all these people on. Really hope people are appreciating your local programming in a new and heightened way these days. I know I certainly am. You guys have been so nourishing in terms of the programming and the voices you've shared. Now we just need to hear from you. Give now at WJFFradio.org. It's WJFF Jeffersonville, W233AH Monticello. We're going to special.